Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What the fucking ears? How's it going? This is Mark Marin. This is my show. This is the podcast, WTF. Uh, if you were wondering, if you uh, are trying to listen to some other podcast, you've made a mistake, but maybe you should hang out for a minute or a few minutes or however long it takes me to get through this business. I uh, hope everything's going well with you. Today is uh, Thursday. If we're dry, if you're listening to it the day it comes out, this is Thursday. Uh, just a reminder, maybe that's helpful to some of you. Maybe, maybe you downloaded this thing and you were lost. I'm telling you, man. Right now, I I barely know what fucking day it is, and I guess that's a a luxury, perhaps. Perhaps it's a mental ailment. I'm not sure what the fuck is going on with my brain right now. Today on the show, Joe Wong. Joe Wong's a guy I've heard about for a while. He's a, a, a Chinese-American comedian who does shows in China and can do stand-up in Chinese. It's just a world that I have uh, no idea about, and uh, I was excited to talk to him. Also, today on the show, we're going to talk to Doug Stanhope for a minute about his new book, Digging Up Mother, A Love Story, which is available now. I want to thank everybody for coming out to uh, the Trippany shows. They've been going well. You know, because I'm dealing with a sort of a new, I'm trying to deal with a new way of looking at things. What is my life like now that a lot of the things I used to be fucked up about are unfucked? And it's exhausting because there's part of me that's sort of like, what do I sound like when I'm not angry? You want to know what that sounds like? Here, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. Here's what that sounds like. Gee, I think I'm done. I think, I, I think I'm done with everything. I don't see the point of doing much of anything if uh, if I'm not angry. So uh, I can't, I'm, seriously, I've quit comedy like three times this week already. But that's ridiculous. There's got to be, like, I've got to be able to embrace and open and move through it. But these shows that the Trippany have been good. Themes are starting to reveal themselves. Uh, people are enjoying the shows. Thank you. I don't know if there's tickets left, but I'm going to be doing it for for a few more Tuesdays through June. You can also go to WTFpod.com slash tour to uh, to see where I'm coming. I'm, I'm doing dates in, in July, a lot of dates in July and throughout uh, the fall. So, yeah, like things are things are, are okay. I'm exercising, which I'm not, I don't know. I don't feel great. I don't know. 
These people that say that they exercise and they feel great. I exercise this morning and I feel exhausted. I, the day is going to be difficult now and uh, I'm aggravated. I, it's not, that's, I, is that the desired result? Is it? And my, my stray cats have disappeared now. They're not dead. We all know Scaredy's gone, but Scaredy too comes and goes. Deaf black cat apparently has moved on and uh, shows up sporadically now. And now I just got a big bag of cat food. Now I'm not even a good cat guy anymore. They got to go somewhere else. Yeah, where's that guy? Where's the guy that all the cats love? All right, well, look, here's the deal. Right now, uh, let's go to um, me and Doug Stanhope, who's a friend of mine. You can go to the Hal Premium Archives and hear longer interviews with him on episodes 22 and 204. I, uh, I just had him come over a couple weeks ago to talk about his new book, Digging Up Mother, A Love Story. This is me and Doug. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. Ugh. I don't know the story about your mother. What in, in the terms of the like for a lot of people who are listening either, like digging up mother a love story, Doug Stanhope. Because I I remember hearing you talking about your mother, but what was How's the, how's the narrative of the book work? Is it essays or is it straight up memoir? Well, the, the suicide itself was at my house with us roasting her and you know, making a right, party Right, because she was it. ill? Yeah, she was yeah. on hospice care, yeah. emphysema, yeah. dying, yeah. deadpan, right. couldn't get out of bed. Right. Uh, so th- that's what I worked into my last special. Right. So I, me assuming that because I had it on a special, every single person in the world knows it. Yeah, that's what we do. Like, well, no, I, yeah, no one has seen it or knows right. it. Uh, I front loaded. The first chapter is basically the extended, detailed version of that bit. That's great. So I started with what I assume everyone already knows, and then go back to, yeah, being young and yeah, remembering her jacking off the dog. <laughs> Yeah. She's just a weird caustic. This is your mom? Yeah. Why did she jerk off the dog? I don't know. She thought because they like it was her. <laughs> <laughs> Why does anyone jerk yeah. off a dog? But I was 12, <laughs> so I thought it was fucking hilarious. Yeah. I knew one other kid. I saw that. I saw a kid do that once, jerk <laughs> off a dog. And I'm like, this doesn't seem right. But they, are, they were laughing. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, mother, my mother was laughing. I was laughing. 
And it, it, because I was laughing, she continued to do that through my life up until my adulthood. Jerking off the yeah, dog. Ralphie May was at the apartment when I lived in L.A. once yeah. where she started jerking off the cat, trying to get, like, breaking out an old bit. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't right, it's not, not as funny when you're not 12. Yeah. Or when it's a cat. It's a little yeah. trickier yeah. to jerk off a cat. <laughs> Dogs are waiting. Yeah. They're, they're ready to be jerked What's off. What's the problem? All. They like it. So she would always say that. That sounds like some good mothering. Was your dad around? He wasn't. Yeah, my dad was around. He was of little or no consequence. He's just a... <laughs> they divorced when I was like seven. But yeah. he was just a big, hap, happy, dumb... Like He was like the dad from Happy Days, but a little dumber. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> right. So your mom was a character. Yeah. Yes. And and what what is the love story element? Just... Uh, we were best friends in a very awkward way you and your mom yeah all yeah. the way through uh, she she was she she actually talked me into doing comedy oh like, yeah, yeah she, you should be a stand-up comic you're funnier than these cocksuckers on huh? <laughs> fucking evening at the improv <laughs> how old were you when that happened probably 20 22 and my mother was she got sober in aa when i was about seven. Oh, really yeah so i spent a lot of time growing up in the back of aa meetings oh uh, hearing the stories yeah, and I think that's where I got a lot of... I got an adult you, sense of humor way too young. That makes sense. Uh, and I would bring all that shit to, to school, and they thought I was a fucking psychotic. It, it all adds up to me now, because, like... The beautiful thing about AA, and I imagine you learned how to drink in AA. <laughs> like here, it, it was it was an advertisement for alcohol because you know the, those fucks sit around in a circle, yeah, and it's all glorifying their worst stories and you know talking it up with a, a small spin at the end. You yeah, know? yeah. And fortunately, through the you know, grace of God, I never have to live like that anymore. <laughs> like, you just yeah, you're, you were you were high fiving each other yeah. in the middle of this story, yeah, and then yeah, I've never seen you so happy uh, aside from the first five minutes of that story yeah, yeah. uh so uh, and storytelling itself i mean there were aa headliners basically oh yeah my are. mother would take us in and go hey indian jim is speaking tonight and you're, you're gonna love him he's yeah. fucking great and she yeah, that's so funny so you instead of getting a babysitter you just go to the meeting with her yeah so that whole sensibility that must have informed your brain a lot and they and they would treat me just like i was an adult right they talk to you the same way they don't give a fuck at kids here I'm, <laughs> yeah i'm they, lucky to be alive what do you think i'm gonna tone it down for some fucking 10 year old yeah and also like 90 percent of them not necessarily great parents right. during the using period yeah they're all your crazy uncle <laughs> yeah exactly corrupts like, you yeah exactly there's another one of those little fucks <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would bring that all to school, and I that was that's I wasn't a class clown. I was like the a school shooter with jokes. They were terrified of me because, like, even the teachers, like, how would how would a kid that age even know about that? Right, right. So I, talking about shooting heroin or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. There's a piece of homework from when I was uh, like 11. And it was like use a word in a sentence, and there's five different sentences. Yeah, the uh, I, I I can't remember verbatim, but it was about uh, the the National Guardsmen took great aim when they mowed down the protesters in a hail of <laughs> bullets. Yeah. The baby's head crushed easily in a vice, and yeah. so, so <laughs> I'm eleven years old, embracing and, the wrong things. Well, I, when I looked back, I had just found that when I was going doing research for the book. My mother was a hoarder, thank God, or I wouldn't have been able to write this. Right. I wouldn't have the uh, 
and I, I look back and I go, well, that's shit that was going on in the news and it was dead baby jokes were all the rage. So, of course, that's write something about a baby's head in a vice. Yeah. That's, so. yeah, why not? You had a good, you had a, a, a dark sense of humor angle of, uh, on it. But I'm they, looking at all these they sent me to a school psychologist. They were terrified of me. I had to go to counseling and stuff just because I just because I had that sense of humor, just because of my jokes. And she got like there's a picture in there of uh, you and your brother uh, and her letting you feel her fake boobs, her new boobs. Yeah, yeah. She was all about anyone who gets fake tits. They always want to whip we, them out. Yeah, my like, mom, it, I, my mom has them, and I, you know, I didn't, I didn't know for most of my life until she got new ones. And right. uh, you know, I was, it was too old for me to be like, well, let me check them out. You know, it didn't feel right. But you guys looked pretty old you and your brother when you're feeling yeah it we too. were about yeah 21 or so <laughs> but she, I mean, we, that was her second pair too I, yeah i believe yeah yeah she must have got the same ones i remember being in friendlies when she got her first pair and she's squeezing them in a booth <laughs> going ah we thought it was funny like she was the perfect mother if you were a beavis and butthead kid she <laughs> let you smoke let you read hustler magazine yeah. vulgar and yeah she's a truck driver for a while and was a she bartender for a lot of years she could sneak me into bars. I, I remember seeing what it, now I know was the remnants of the Guess Who, but but they still used the name and she was working. You know the Guess Who? And she, she yeah, yeah, got yeah, him yeah. to let me in to watch him. And I was thinking it was the Who. Right. Oh, right. <laughs> it was like just Randy Bachman and maybe not even Bachman. It was probably the other guys. Who knows? I thought it was the Who. And I, no. I was yeah. just I was just happy that I recognized one of the songs after the disappointment of oh wait this isn't the Who you recognized American Woman and you're like this isn't the Who the That's one a, song it's yeah, close a, enough yeah so like I can't imagine she had been sick for how long by the time the the first time I, when I was uh, doing the Man Show so 2004 yeah. Comedy Central asked me to do a cruise ship right. with DePaulo and a couple other people yeah. to film wraparounds for their comedy awards the yeah. commies so uh, it was a free first class airfare and a free cruise so I brought my mother and that's when I found out she had come off the wagon because she had been sober since I was about seven. Oh wow and then I found out she'd been secretly Drinking. hitting the sauce yeah. And I go, well, if anything, I want to get hammered with my mother one time, so yeah. this will be a good time. And uh, we sat in first class, and uh, they brought over trays of champagne back in the good old days of first class. Yeah. And uh, we both took one. I didn't say a word. We both started drinking, back. and we, we drank for you know, a week straight. Uh, uh, ended in, uh, uh, was it not Fort Lauderdale? Wherever they had an improv, West Palm Beach. Yeah, West Palm, yeah. I had to do a gig when we landed back. Uh, and I got her to do blow for the first time. Got a waitress chopping up lines in the ladies' room toilet and showing her how to do it. She like it? Yeah, she liked it. She li- she liked to, she liked to talk and drink. So yeah, that it worked she, oh, out. I can talk more. Yeah, I can over talk you into your grave. Yeah. And when did she find out she had the emphysema? Well, it was on that trip where I knew she had shitty lungs. Yeah. When she first moved here from Florida, she had been a nurse, and they she did one of those blow into this thing to gauge the strength of your lungs, and they told her at that point she had the lungs of a 127-year-old person. <laughs> oh, no. So I knew, I knew it was bad, but on that trip, just going through the airport, she would have to stop for air on flat ground yeah. with a roller bag. She'd have to stop every so often, and I'm like, uh, oh, this is way worse than I knew. Uh, so and when what was the decision-making <clears throat> process? around her exit i was doing a a five-week tour 
at that point, I'd kind of written her off. She had gotten life flighted a couple times from Bisbee up to Tucson because... But she was living with you? She was living in the same town. Right. I moved out of town. She she had a bunch of false flag suicide attempts. So one of them, I had to drive out and pick her up and bring her to Bisbee and get her an apartment there. She had left a post-it note. Yeah. That's why I say in the in the end of the book, I go, the real title of this book is uh, Mother, the Long Version of a Suicide Post-it Note. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So all she wrote is a post-it. Doug, pain is too much. Which, uh, just what else do you have to say? To the point, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but was it physical pain mostly? I that's mean, when that... she was, her, her drinking just spiraled out. She uh, wasn't good at it. She'd right. be funny for an hour and then straight into maudlin depression. Why well, was a bad mother right, and I'm right. a burden to you. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, so I, I drove her out. Uh, she got life flighted. One time we were in Costa Rica and we get the call, hey, your mother just, they had a helicopter her up to Tucson to the, she had tubes in her lungs sucking the gunk out oh oh yeah so she was just dying yeah and but she she was making no attempt to help herself so at some point i just had to detach like if you're just gonna keep yeah doing this to yourself you can't yeah i can't be the responsible party you're being a dick right i mean i'll still help you out when you need it but i'm not going out of my way for you right and who decided to what was the conversation around the assisted suicide? She'd been talking about suicide forever. Right. Uh, and she had attempted it, not even for health problems. So when her health got that bad and she's on oxygen, she said, uh, I went to this, I had this five-week tour of Europe, and uh, I asked the, the nurse lady, her caretaker, and they said she probably has a 50-50 chance of being here when you get back. Right. So uh, we had a... a close enough relationship where i said i'm not canceling the tour uh i said i'm going to call you every night from stage and uh if you're alive (laughs) i know you're gonna do the uh uh, uh, monty python i'm not dead yet yeah yeah (laughs) yeah monty python we grew up with that so we're always quoting we had the bits yeah yeah. always and uh if an emt answers the phone i guess we'll have our answer but i'm going to do it live on speakerphone on stage every night and you uh, did that yeah we did that and i and we also i also had her tell us what she bought today i go you have a ten thousand dollar limit on your visa card you can't take that with you <laughs> yeah. and you have no estate for them to take it out of jack up your credit card so she'd do a, i'm not dead yet and then she'd tell us some silly <laughs> shit she bought out of the sky mall catalog i gave her <laughs> and uh uh so she was alive when i got back and uh she knew she called me up and said yeah it's uh it's time to go and had a doctor that uh, she had hospice care and hospice will set you up with the amount of right. drugs if you want right. to hasten the uh, process yeah and so she figured out that she had enough of the medication the yeah, morphine right. right well more than enough yeah that, and that she, she went- could have left some behind yeah but she didn't she took them all <laughs> yeah and you all were just there, y'all. Who- she came over to my house because her where she lived was just filthy hoarder estate, yeah. just spider webs and bugs and shit. Yeah, but she wouldn't let you clean anything up because right. she, you're gonna throw away something important. Yeah, yeah. So she came over to my place and I, she without a, a date, she didn't give us a, a specific date. Yeah, and I told her, uh, listen, hey, if you're gonna do this, it was a Thursday. I said. 
you got to do it. Uh, I, I, I said, you can't do it on Sunday or Monday because that's football. Right. And that's just a dick move. If you're doing this on your own, you don't ruin someone else's a pre-planned event. Right. And you have to do it before two weeks from now because that's when Brian Hennigan's coming back and he doesn't have this stomach or sense of humor for this kind of shit. Yeah. Um, and so she just came over? She came over a Thursday and then we just hung around and waited for her to you know, cry uncle. And uh, on Saturday night... After Bingo and I had, you know, spent the whole day going, I don't know what the fuck to do, and had some cocktails and took his annex to go to bed, and she's, I was on like MySpace or whatever, yeah. and she's like, it's done, get me my, get me my drink and my pills. It's done. She already and, took and it. And I thought she meant like her beverage. She always had like a eighty-nine ounce Bubba right. Bubba keg kind of <laughs> thing with diet soda, a big gulp. And yeah, she was on eighty-five medications. Yeah, and I thought she meant that. She goes, "No, the other drink and the, the other pills," because she had been sober four years at that point. Three right. years. Yeah, uh, a, a little while. Uh huh. And I told her when she came over to kill herself, I go, "You're not going to do it sober, right? Right. You can't take those chips with you." Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, as you know, absolutely. So, so we mixed up. Uh, she was a black Russian drinker back in her prime. Uh huh. So I had black Russians, but she said make it white Russians because she thought the milk would coat her stomach. Yeah. for eating all those pills. Right, it's very motherly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like chicken soup for the. Suicide. I don't want to be too hard on my get my yeah. stomach. Yeah, and she so didn't she want to throw them up, and so she just did it. Yeah, she uh, she ate almost ninety there? morphine pills slowly because she had a hard time eating them, and we just busted her balls and just you and Bingo. Yeah, yeah. As she's coming in and out of consciousness, go, Ma, wait! They found a cure. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I, I wish I could remember all the lines. It's one of those. Oh, Was she fuck, laughing? We should have taped that. Yeah, of course she's laughing. She had a really dark sense of humor, and yeah, you know, was very uh, logical and rational about death. And yeah. So it's just... Uh, How long did it take for it to... A long time. For some reason, I, I was guessing 30 minutes. Yeah. Based on absolutely nothing. Right. No research. Right. But yeah, she 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 was alert for, I'd say, an, an hour after she took them all. While she's taking them, that probably took an hour. Right. I, again, the timeline yeah. is fuzzy. But we, you know, we were busting her balls and then... You know, she said, I was a good mother, right? No, nah, you're a terrible mother. Like, how else would you raise a son that's going to mix you cocktails while you're killing yourself? <laughs> so when she did, when it finally happened, was, um, well, obviously it was the right thing. It was her choice and, you know, you were there for her. And, did, and, and did, she was in agony. She also yeah. had horrific back pain. She'd been addicted to Vicodin for God knows how many years did or you cry? a decade. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we try to keep it, you know, as much gallows humor as we could. Yeah, but eventually. It, I'm a dick. It's all right. Uh, yeah. But sorry, it, my cell phone went off. I'm not saying I'm a dick for killing my mother. No. <laughs> Don't want to be misunderstood. But you uh, did have the feelings. You were able to grieve and have that moment. Yeah, Bingo and I, we put on some music, which oh. as soon as mother was, you know, unconscious because she hated music and it was always too loud. Yeah. Uh, so... And but then we'd like mirror under the nose, kind of. I can't tell if she's dead or not. You and, felt try to feel the pulse and stuff. Yeah, and we had a, a, a caretaker, a friend of ours that was would come in and out, and she came in at one point and said, "No, she she's still breathing." And and at some point, she uh, I remember her last words were uh uh, because my mother would just if she could get a laugh, 
she'd grind it into the ground. She'd over tag it and yeah. keep telling the joke and yeah. repeating it, trying to like, Ma, you're ruining the joke. You were just funny, and now you're <laughs> too much. Going, yeah, you know, yeah, comics yeah. like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, you yeah. Just shut up. Yeah. Quit and, ringing the bell. And she she's just pounding drinks. Like, and I, at some point, I said, "Wow, you're really hammering those." those white Russians, and she said, there's times to be dainty and there's times to be a pig. <laughs> and we fell out laughing, and you could see her mind scrambling to how to, how to tag it. it. And I go, shut up, don't say anything else, because those are perfect last words. And she didn't say anything else, had a couple more sips, zonked out. And that was it. And that, and that was it. And we tried to wait for until we knew she was dead. And at that point, we'd been drinking, and taking a Xanax, so you bought, we, we had to went fall out. down. <laughs> and in the morning, we woke up. It's like six thirty in the morning or so, and uh, e not EMTs, but uh, guys from the f morgue, the yeah. funeral home, and the nurse caretaker lady were all in there. And I, you know, the morning where you have to figure out where, where am, am I? What do we do? Oh, that's right. Oh yeah, mother dead, and yeah. Evidently, while we were sleeping, we I had a the we were sleeping on two couches in the living room and she had a hospital bed in yeah. a small room yeah not much bigger than this and the emts or the morgue guys had come in and gone directly to bingo to lift her <laughs> and betty's going no it's her it's, it's <laughs> not <Bingo>. dead <laughs> yeah and they were mortified and humiliated uh, <laughs> well that's like this sounds like a, a brutally honest uh dark and and sweet somehow uh, fucking book, Doug, and it's a hell of a story, and uh, I, I wish you the the best of luck with it. It deserves to be uh, to be read by me, and I will do that, and by everyone else as well. <laughs> Thanks. And I wish I you think a... it's doing pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's great. That's great. How do you know? Because uh, this stupid stupid guy from Decapo called me up and he said wow you, did you see your Amazon sales ranking and I go I didn't know to look for it oh, and great. now I can't not yeah oh, no, like, now you're like, in. Uh, just know that that changes hourly yeah yeah and also based on if someone buys three books in in 10 minutes you could go I'm not diminishing well it. that's why he called me because he was like I've never had a book rank this high well it turns out it was just after we put out our mailing list on my website right and he was yeah, yes. right. So, so it was at fifty-seven of all books. He goes, I've never had any. Hitchens hit ninety, and that was my best ever. Oh, that's and hilarious! Then, and then I had to go. Wow, it's going to be a huge hit. And then I watched next hour at seventy-eight. Next yeah. hour is one hundred and fifty. <laughs> yeah. I'm just losing all my self-esteem. I'm actually excited to read it because I have a lot of respect for you. I think you're funny, and and uh, uh, it's always good to talk to you. Thanks for having me on. Is this the uh, is this the seat the president sat in? That's it. Does everyone ask that? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah eventually. Every guest you've had since suck. There you go. Yeah. I thought I had the president. No, man. I, you know, but, but, but yeah, Neil Young's great, but the, yeah. the president. No, but the funny thing was, is like in my mind, I knew having <laughs> talked to politicians before. Like you know, I I was honored, and it was an amazing event. But I, you know, I knew that the the conversation, you know, it wasn't gonna, he wasn't gonna start crying or anything. Yeah. yeah. So people were like, "Well, what are you gonna do now?" And I'm like, "I don't know. We got Rich Voss, you know, coming." <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear that one. That's a good episode. Listen to that. I will. All right. Thanks, man. All right. Stan Hope's Digging Up Mother is available wherever you get those books, all right? And it's, it's, it's a seriously 
probably the most uh, disturbing and dark memoir uh, ever written by a comic in a very specific way. And speaking of books, the very funny writer Amber Tozer, also a stand-up, has a book out now. It's called Sober Stick Figure, a memoir. Amber will be on a WTF in the near future, so I wanted to let you know that you can get her book uh, now because I like her. I like Amber Tozer. Now, coming up here, we've got Joe Wong. Now, I, I, Joe Wong, I'd heard about in Boston, but Joe's story seemed very interesting to me to actually do stand-up in China and to tell me about China. Like, they're just, they're, like I, don't, I don't know a lot about the world, so I'm always excited when I have a guest who is able to, uh, to tell me about the world. So, Joe Wong. Joe Wong is going to uh, educate me. And uh, you know, basically, tell me about the comedy scene, you know, on mainland China. I got to get out, man. I got to travel. I got to travel. I've got to stop being afraid. I got to figure it out. I got to do it. But I think I'd like to go to Poland. I'd like to go to Russia. I think uh, I'd like to see Germany. I'd like to see those parts. The more... Uh, kind of uh, abrasive, uh, sausage areas. <laughs> you know, I, I'll try to travel, all right? I'm going to do it. And I don't, I, you know, I don't know why I'm saying that, like you've defied me to do it. But let's go now to my conversation with Joe Wong. I actually did comedy in uh, in Beijing and Hong Kong. Um, uh, yeah, for what, expats. For what, oh, I, not, I, I see. I, I didn't uh, have a translator or anything, but it was uh, like but expats are nice though. They really they really appreciate comedy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, thank God, somebody. I I'd never been there to China, oh. and it was like going. I mean, it was an entirely other different world. Oh yeah, yeah. Beijing is in, it's insane. Oh. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah, or is it my making that up? 24 million people. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and not to be like weird, but like there seems to be a lot of different type of hand-driven vehicles. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> That's why I still don't have a car in Beijing. Right. You know, I drive everyone everywhere in the United States, but mm-hmm. once I'm in Beijing, I was like, uh, you know, I, I can't say the fuck word here. Yeah, I, you I, can. I, yeah, I, you can. Word. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to get a car. I'm going to run over somebody for sure in yeah. a minute. Yeah, <laughs> There's yeah, right. so many people there. So many people yeah. and so many different types of bicycles and yeah. weird kind of like, like I was like, this is insane. <laughs> yeah. And it was hard to breathe a oh. little bit. Well, it's it's a lot worse now. Really? You know, we I didn't see the sun for like two weeks before I came to LA. Really? Yeah. Once I got in LA, I was like, wow, it's so clear. And then... We were jet lagged. We yeah. got up like two o'clock in the morning. The whole family packed into a car. We drove all the way to Vegas. For what? We just wanted to see the open space in the desert and the sunrise. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I met a writer friend of mine. You know, you know Chuck Scalar. You know, he. I know up, Chuck. I started with Chuck. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You can ask him. You know, we were hanging hanging out. And I started to take pictures of the sky. He was like, Joe, what are you taking a picture of? I'm like, just the sky. I I want to have it as evidence that there is a sky. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I I found it pretty fascinating, you you know, my experience. Because I always feel like as an American, I I feel like I'm relatively open-minded. But like 
I don't know if I would travel to China if I didn't get the opportunity to go there. Yeah, and, it's, it's, it's a long, right, it's a long, it's a long flight. Yeah, but like yeah. you go, I went, I saw, you know, the Forbidden City, I saw uh, Tiananmen Square, and I went mm-hmm. to the wall. And it's fucking fascinating. I mean, it, like, and then, like, and then you start to think, like, this is really the biggest and oldest culture in the world. Uh, yeah, yeah. Existing in the world. Uh-huh. And I don't fucking know anything about it. Yeah. You Do know, you? Not really. <laughs> I, <'cause laughs> I lived in Beijing for five years. You know, I stayed there for three years before I came to the U.S. back in 1994. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm in Beijing for two more years. I've never gone there by myself. Mm-hmm. It's always, oh, a friend is coming over. They want to see the Forbidden City. I said, oh, right, oh, for I'll those things, yeah. yeah. And for a while, there's a Starbucks in the middle of Forbidden City. Oh, really? Yeah. So <laughs> the Chinese Just are like okay. the emperor wanted. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Chinese are okay with it, but all the Westerners got upset. You know, they're like, we came all the way here. To see us. We saw Starbucks. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So you, like, the, the last time I tried to uh, to talk to you, I, I knew you were in Boston. Yeah. Now, like, let, let's go let's go through the life. Because, you know, quite honestly, and, and, and to, my, uh, to my own fault, for me, it's, it, it becomes sort of um, how even in comedy, uh, you know, communities get insulated. You, you know, there's like there must be a lot of Chinese comics yeah. that, that that I don't know. There, yeah. you know, there's a, there's a lot of every kind of comics that you, you have your own. In, there's a, you have your own career mm-hmm. that is not you know mainstream American comedy. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's hard for me to know. It's like I don't. How would I know that guy? He's got a TV <laughs> show in China. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but you were but you were an American comic and you are an American comic. Yeah, I I was on the Letterman show for a time. Yeah, so yeah. I remember. The, I saw one Alan of those. So, yeah, I also hosted the radio and TV correspondence dinner. You did uh, the, the big one? Uh, yeah, 2010. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah? How yeah. was that? It was great. You know, the, the Obama didn't show up, but then uh, Joe Biden was there. So What I do you mean of, Obama didn't show up? Yeah. <laughs> what, you, what was he doing? Uh, he was uh, he was doing some uh, health care thing during the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So two weeks before the, the show, there, my manager called me, hey, hey Obama's not coming. But Did you Joe say, Biden. like, well, that's bullshit. <laughs> he would have come if Will Ferrell was doing it again. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> Did you have that feeling? Oh, uh, yeah, well, a little bit. <laughs> I was like, is it because I'm Asian? <laughs> yeah. But where did it start? Were you born in China? Yeah, I was born in China and then came to the U.S. when I was 24. Like where in China? Uh, northeast part of China, close to uh, North Korea. Do you have family and, there? Oh, yeah, I still have family there. Wait, what, what's, the, what's the part called? Uh, it's called Jilin Province. Uh-huh. Yeah. And is that like a big province? Or like what's it's a the tiny province? Oh, it's a, what's small the small in- town? Oh, yeah. it's a small town. Yeah. And what's the industry there? What goes on there? Oh, it's basically corn um, and lumber, uh-huh. coal, that kind of thing. Uh huh. Yeah. And and growing up, like, how much time did you spend? You you grew up in China till you were twenty four. Yeah. And is it? See, the thing that I noticed when I was there briefly, and my dumb American observations were. I don't see anything familiar here. And there's really not much effort made to uh, make me feel comfortable at all. Oh, like, really? Like, I, I'm surprised. Well, like I, I go there, I, was, I see McDonald's. But that's KFC, it. But that's yeah, it. Yeah, but that's yeah, it. Exactly. K, the, like, I'm looking at the landscape that, mm-hmm. of Beijing, the yeah. city's landscape, and I'm like, oh, that's a KFC bucket. Yeah, exactly. I recognize yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I re- but like anything else, there's no there's no translation. There, like transportation, it's not like in English, too. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah. I imagine it's because there's not a big tourist industry. Yeah, that's back in 2002. Right. I mean, 
starting from 2008 after the Olympics, yeah, the English signs everywhere. Oh, really? Yeah, but then they messed it up in a big way.、Mm-hmm. You know, like、uh, uh, the Department of Proctology. They call it the Department of、uh, Intestines and Anuses. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> that is true. They, they had a big sign there for a while. They realized, oh, this is not right. It was a big sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there were a lot of those. You know, it's like、uh, you know, slippery when wet.、Mm-hmm. You know, they they will translate that into you know. Uh, please slip carefully, or something.、Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting because it, I, I guess the like I don't have any sense of of how the Chinese language works, but that just、yeah. me that just must must be someone's most you know kind of straightforward translation. Exactly, or they did it out of、uh, some kind of program. Right, right. Like, oh, we got to put English signs for for foreigners, <laughs> and, <then it's> like, <laughs> and they didn't really put much thought into it. Like, get oh, a guy working on this. Oh, so, oh no, no, they, they yeah, there's there's so little checking. <laughs> yeah, just like they they saw some. English, and then they just put it up there. Well, growing up in that type of government, I mean, you, you know, what was did did you feel? I mean, I don't know what, what what was your parents' business. How did you grow up? Did you grow up、uh, like you know poor or like it's kind of poor? Yeah, but our family was in a, a countryside, right?、Mm-hmm. But my family is still better off than my neighbor. I still remember going to my neighbor's house as a kid, probably five six year old when、mm-hmm. I was. And、uh, I go there. There's no electricity. It's in the winter. It was really cold. Yeah. No electricity, and、uh, the whole room was cold. The kid was eating raw potato for lunch. The kid was. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, "Wow, this family is great." You know, his、yeah. parents will allow him to do this. You know, <laughs> to <laughs> eat a raw potato. Yeah, yeah. When I was a kid, I didn't understand because、right. everybody was poor. But then、right. that. Family was even poorer than us. Yeah, but at the time, so wow, this kid has a lot of freedom. You know? Right, <laughs> <laughs> right. But what? That, well, that's always, I guess, the question that you know, I, you know, that maybe I'll speak for some Americans is like, what is, you know, what is the quality of life in in terms of of that sense of freedom? Because I remember when I was there. There was some activity、mm-hmm. in、uh, Tiananmen Square.、Uh, you, you know, they corralled a bunch of Falun Gong protesters. Like and it just sort of happened. Like and it happened、mm-hmm. very quickly. They、yeah. just some trucks pulled up, put these people in them, and drove away. Uh huh. But I, did,、yeah. were you aware that you were living in that type of oppression?、Uh, growing up, you know, I was educated to grow up to be a communist. You know, every kid is. You know, we're the inheritors, inheritors of the communist.、Uh, Endeavor, whatever. Endeavor. That's a good word for it. So when you're like a little kid, yeah, there's pictures of Chairman Mao. Oh yeah, in the house. In the yeah, in the house.、Uh-huh. Every house has a few. Uh huh. And I remember one woman made a comment. He was, she was like, you know, it's weird. I just feel Mao's eyes are following me even when I'm using the bathroom. Yeah. And then she got arrested. Really? <laughs> yeah. She said that publicly. Yeah.、Some- yeah. She's maybe she's. You know, blabbed it out. You know,、uh-huh. But then, but not on TV or anything. No, no. But maybe it, to a neighbor, and the neighbor yeah, the said neighbor, something. Yeah, the did that happen? Oh yeah, it happens in the past a lot. You know, no, then where you get ratted out. Oh yeah, yeah. But now things are slightly better. You know. So、yeah. right, but they must have been changing a bit throughout your childhood. I mean, but because like, how old are you? I'm forty-five. Oh, so yeah, yeah. So when you were a kid, Mao was still alive. Maybe yeah, yeah, for a couple he, years, right? Yeah, he. He died when I was six. Wow! So you remember? Do you have memories of?、Uh, That's the first time I saw TV, television. You know, because I didn't grow up with television. Uh huh. And then when Mao died, the whole school organized us to go to this 
huge hall、uh-huh. to watch his funeral. Really, that's the first time I saw a television. No kidding. Yeah, I'm not kidding. How old were you? Six. Six. Yeah. So no TVs in the houses. No. No. <laughs> What was the entertainment? Oh, nothing.、Uh, <laughs> a lot of times I was standing、uh, under a big、uh, telephone post,、uh-huh. and、uh, there is there is a speaker mounted on the on the post, and there's some songs or there's some you know cross Chinese cross talk, which、uh-huh. is kind of like vaudeville、uh-huh. comedy.、And、oh, the, really? Yeah,、so、I was you know, stand under a telephone post and listen to some entertainment in town or down on on the corner. Where was the television post? Oh, just just on the road. And they just blare out at yeah, weird times. Yeah, yeah, and everybody can hear it. The whole village, or whatever, can that, hear. And it. that's the entertainment. That's the entertainment. Oh my god! Yeah, and then and then the、uh, every day we will hear this weather report. Yeah, and not just the temperature. Like, would it wake you up? Well, no, it's during the day. Okay. Yeah. So there wasn't sort of like a like out of nowhere you just hear wake up.、Uh, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. Just basically, maybe sometime in the afternoon they will broadcast some stuff. It was scheduled, like every、it's、scheduled. Yeah, yeah.、And、so you'd get weather reports, weather reports, crosstalk, crosstalk, some songs and news. Songs like、yeah. um, what kind of songs? Oh, it's you know. It's the love for the country, the love for the party, anthems. The love, yeah, anthems. Yeah, yeah. No kidding. And that was when you were like、uh, younger than ten. Yeah, a, a lot younger than ten. So after nineteen seventy eight, seventy nine, China starts to open up. Yeah, and、uh, we can gradually listen to foreign radio stations. Because before that, if you listen to a foreign radio station, and you can get reported and arrested. No kidding. Yeah, and then after that, you know, I started to. I remember first American song I heard is、uh, "Girls Just Want to Have Fun." Really? Yeah, Cindy Lauper's. <laughs> I still have a very fond memory of it. You know? <laughs> Tell me about this this crosstalk though, because like it, because I imagine you know having performed in in America and having you, you know that you, the root of you know, I talk to a lot of comedians. Yeah, and we all have an experience of. Of what comedy is and what is funny,、mm-hmm. and and I have absolutely no sense at all of、uh, you know what like if you went to to an entertainment, not necessarily a comedy show because they they didn't have stand up comedy then,、mm-hmm. or you were sort of like you you wanted all cultures have some sort of you know clowning or comedy or something yeah. But w- what was crosstalk? What's the structure of it? It's uh, it's basically two guys on stage,、mm-hmm. one. Being a funny guy, the other one is basically he. He is the audience. So like so a, a straight man of a sort. Yeah, straight man of a sort, and、uh, it's a safer form of art. You know, it's like stand-up comedian on stage. You right. Tell the joke. It, right. It bombs. It's all on you. Sure. Okay. If、uh, two guys on stage, if a, a joke bombs, the、yeah. other guy can say, "Oh well." Yeah.、Know. Right. Right. <laughs> they make it a little way. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah.、Oh, so. so he represents the audience in the way he's like sort of a middleman. That is sort、yeah. of a straight man in a, a kind of a pure sense. Yeah. Where he he set up the joke, and then if the audience doesn't laugh, then he can say like, "Well, I guess we didn't like that one." Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> what what were the topics? Oh, uh, they 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 usually tell a long story in twenty minutes. Uh-huh. One story. One story. It, it's completely made-up story. Everybody knows it's fake, but、mm-hmm. they kind of go along with it. Uh-huh. And, um, and the audience are different too. Like in America, stand-up comedy is based, in a sense, it's a way to sell liquor in, in a, you know, on a, a club bar. Level, yeah. yeah, yeah. But in China, they usually do this in a tea house.、Mm-hmm. People drink tea, you know, and eat sunflower seeds. 
the whole family could be sitting at a table. Family entertainment. Yeah. Some food, maybe, or just sunflower some, seeds? Uh, no, sunflower seeds, you know, some you know, That's peanuts. That's snack? Yeah, no, wings. Snack. Uh, no wings. No wings. <laughs> <laughs> no hot wings, you know. <laughs> yeah. And what was the other, like, where, like, I'm trying to get a sense culturally, like, what you would do as a family, you know, to sort of build your brain out around entertainment. I mean, were there, there was obviously movies. Yeah. Oh, movies are huge in China. It's just like... But when you were a kid, there were Chinese movies, all Chinese movies. All Chinese movies. Uh, it's uh, a lot of propaganda movies. With a theme. Yeah. yeah, yeah, with a theme. But then later on, they opened it up. A lot of uh, Japanese, Indian movies uh-huh. came out. Before American movies. Before American movies. And now in recent years, American movies became huge. Mm-hmm. Just all the blockbuster movies. Yeah, the, the American movies. film industry is very happy about that. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> a lot of uh, writers and, and uh, uh, producers were in China, you know. Oh, yeah? To, you know, trying to get a handle on it? Exactly. There's yeah. a lot of people here, a lot uh, of ticket sales. Uh, yeah, I know. It's, it's, the, the growth is like 30, 40, 50% a year. You know, just every year it grows so fast. You know? I know we say billion, but there's uh, got to be more than a billion. It's probably 1.4 billion people. It's, it's, it, it blows my mind. I know. So when you're a kid, <clears throat> the propaganda, like what essentially were you taught uh, in terms of the rest of the world. Oh yeah, this is America. Americans are living in a in a hellish place. You know the the capitalists are you know using the webs to to get them to work harder. Uh, oh really? Oh yeah. And then I came to America and found out that was true actually. <laughs> <laughs> We're all being whipped here uh, yeah. by ourselves. Yeah, That's yeah. the sad part about it. That's the part they didn't tell you. It's like uh, yeah. the people that were doing the whipping were us. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. us. We have to get more. We have yeah, to get do. more. And if you don't get more, we're gonna move the business exactly. to China. <laughs> yeah. So you were taught to distrust and and maybe you, you know dislike or judge America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, but that's the you know Russia does it, China does no, no, it, yeah, North yeah. Korea does it. You know, but then uh, after and, and you the, were on 80, the border of North Korea. Yeah, yeah. I, I I've been to North Korea once. Yeah, yeah. The border to do a was, show. No. <laughs> <laughs> Tough crowd. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> the opener got shot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but there's a actually there's a social media site in China is dedicated to uh, Kim Jong Un, uh-huh. the, the North Korean leader. Yeah. Every day they have pictures of him. They make fun of him. You know, just because he's he looks so weird and funny. Yeah, you know? right, yeah sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And that's in China. That that's, yeah, that's in China. Yeah, your family's Chinese though. Yeah, yeah. And uh, do you have family in Korea as well, or? Oh, you don't know. Yeah, we 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 lost touch a long time ago. It's yeah. probably three generations ago. You know, I may, I may my ancestors may have lived there. But, yeah, you know, right. I, I grew up in China. Yeah, you know. I've, so what? Wh- how how did you find a way out? Was it just a, a matter of the culture changing and there being opportunities and and a a, a, a sort of there was were, when you how how did it come to pass? that you know you were able to leave both mentally and physically oh physically i have to take a lot of tests you know i i took the toefl exam the gre to, i i went to graduate school in america yeah I but memorized. so like how does that happen though like 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 so you you go to school what were you studying when you were a kid i mean how does oh, education work in china yeah you basically go through uh you know elementary school high school and stuff and uh-huh. then you have to decide a major before you graduate. 
before you graduate high school yeah to study in college you mean exactly yeah so there's a college entrance exam what'd you study uh, what'd you decide biochemistry oh so you're a smart guy uh, well, my dad wanted me to study biochemistry. <laughs> he said, that's the science of the future. You do that. Really? <laughs> yeah. What did your dad do? He's an engineer. Okay. Yeah. And he worked for, obviously, the government. Yeah, he works for a steel factory. That is owned by the government. Yeah, of course, everything's owned by the government at the time. Yeah. He worked in the same factory for like 30 years or something. Uh-huh, making <clears throat> steel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they even have a... Like slate to look for you know iron ore in the mountains, you because know, the technology was so backwards back in the seventies and sixties. They have a what a sleigh? Yeah, they just people drag a sleigh and walk all over the mountains just to look looking for, for, looking for ore. For, uh, yeah, wow. I know it was so cold in the winter. Sometimes they have to sleep in the woods. Did you ever night. get the sense that that? the the idea of communism and the the sort of uh, you know um, the mission of the national agenda didn't really care a- about people like you know because it seems like you know when you tell a story like that yeah. and you sort of when I hear about that when you hear about you know factory conditions and stuff that that it must feel like human life is a little bit disposable yeah but that that's in the era you know yeah yeah it's just a lot of people you know just suffer and die and that's okay but now you know it, it's <laughs> unacceptable <laughs> but, 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 but at the time it's normal you know everybody lives like that you know, right it's, it's just the way it is yeah yeah but a lot of people kind of uh uh has a lot of uh, they became nostalgic about in the air about the era oh when when things started <clears throat> to open up what, what well, th- before things start to open up, because everybody's the same. Everybody wears the same clothes, you know. They right, people knew what they, you know. There was not a lot of decision making. Exactly, you know, it's like there was a, there was probably less competition. Yeah, exactly. But right now, you know, you live in a, a shabby little hut, and the, your your neighbor has a Mercedes. You know? yeah, it's just, yeah. Right now, it's like this. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, right. So, so yeah. See what capitalism does. Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it is, you know. Yeah, exactly. It ruined everything. Yeah, it's hard to now keep I up with the Joneses anymore. It, it, <laughs> no, no, no. Like, now I got to buy clothes. I, I know. Yeah. <laughs> it was so much easier when the government told us what to wear. Exactly, yeah. It's well, like, that's kind of fascinating. Yeah. So by the time you get to, uh, you finish high school, yeah. you decide on bioengineering. Now, how many sisters and brothers do you have? I have one younger brother. Uh-huh. Yeah. And was uh, was all that stuff really true about population control in China? In terms oh, yeah, of yeah, you could only have how many kids? Oh, you could only have one child. But uh-huh. the policy just changed last year. So how so now you can have two, and they encourage you to have two kids now. So you have a very young brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, because we're ethnic Koreans, so we're allowed to have two kids. Oh, so oh, yeah. you're ethnic Koreans. Yeah, what is that? Oh, Look, my ancestors came from Korea. So you got in under uh, uh, in a loophole. Uh, yeah, exactly. You could have a brother in a loophole. Exactly. <laughs> but most families only have one child. Yeah. Bizarre, right? I know. A lot, but... of, a lot of only children, I guess. Uh, yeah. I wonder if they have ever done a study on, you know, I guess if you really want to know, you know, the psychological realities of an only child, you can go to China. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's weird. So like all of your friends were probably like, you know, they just didn't have any brother or sister to influence them or I can't. Yeah, yeah, I know. But you have cousins and stuff, I guess. Oh, that's right. Yeah, bigger yeah, families? Yeah, bigger families. The, Is it, and the family unit's pretty important in terms oh, of... Oh, it's a l- very important. Yeah. Oh, yeah? Yeah. 
So that's how it's structured. So like, you know, you have a large family? I have a fairly large family, but then they kind of got scattered around the country, mm. or even the world now. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. All right, so how do you get from, uh, from high school to, you know, American graduate school? Oh, oh, then I went to college in China. For bio? <clears throat> for biochemist, biochemistry. Mm-hmm. Then I have to take all these exams, yeah. English exams. I memorized the Oxford Dictionary like eight times. Really? Yeah, I have to just... Because I the GRE is so that has so much you know archaic words for the American exam. Yeah, for the American so exam. So you do okay. So you do undergraduate in China, mm-hmm. and but how are you afforded the opportunity to go to school in America? How does that happen? Oh, you I just do I just you know prepare a lot and then uh, oh so you can test. leave. Yeah, I can leave. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So after the eighties, you can leave. So there's a big wave of uh, Chinese students coming to America to study. Right. Yeah, back in the. 80s and 90s. So you were memorized the Oxford Dictionary just for the GREs? Just for the GREs, and uh, I, that kind of screwed me up a little bit. Why? Because uh, for some reason, I thought all America, every American knows every word in that dictionary. <laughs> and uh, I came here, I would talk to people like, wow. You're so wrong. That yeah, was so wrong. I was like, man, today I feel lugubrious, you know? <laughs> People was like, what the hell are you talking about, Joe? <laughs> this is what happened when you went to graduate school? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then some people just wouldn't hang out with me. I was like, why? He said, you're pretentious or something. He <laughs> right, right. thinks I'm, I'm just, you know. You're just trying to, uh, to, to get, to, to integrate. Uh, yeah, exactly. But I, I thought everybody knows these words. <laughs> it's all words in the dictionary to me. <laughs> the Oxford Dictionary, yeah. nonetheless. Not even Webster's. I, I know. <laughs> the big one. Yeah. The two-volume one. <laughs> So where did you end up? So I went to Rice University in Texas. Oh, that's a good school. Yeah, yeah. And to do graduate work in biochemistry. Yeah. And, and did you finish? Oh, yeah, I finished. I got a degree there. And what was it like, that transition of, of living in Texas outside of alienating people with the word lugubrious? <laughs> lugubrious, what, yeah. what What were your immediate feelings of, uh, about you know, being in America culturally? Oh, it was painful. Uh, I still remember it to this day. I looked into the mirror and said to myself, oh, I, I swear to God, I will never go to another culture and try to adapt. You know, it was so painful. Real, how so? Because I can't communicate with people. You right. know, I, I know a lot of words, but then when I say something, people don't quite understand cause, because of the heavy accent. Right. And uh, I don't understand what other people are talking, because you know, Americans, they joke around. Yeah. And we're telling a joke. I can understand every word in it. But you can't understand the tone. I don't understand the tone, and more importantly, I don't understand why it's funny. Yeah, right. So That's everybody I mean. else is laughing. I was like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> was it like sarcasm? Or, oh, or? Yeah, sarcasm is a big thing, because uh, you know, I always take it literally. Yeah, yeah. right. So, <laughs> so you were the guy not laughing. Yeah, was, for example, I work in the lab. If yeah. I borrow some equipment, they were, I said, I can I use this? They're like, oh, it's 20 bucks. I said, okay, I'll give you $20. <laughs> but they're like, no, no, we're just kidding. <laughs> so you felt you, 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 you were very vulnerable because it was like there, you couldn't, it, the, this sort of um, yeah, cultural uh, norm of, of, of how p- people communicate with comedy was lost on you. Yeah, yeah. So you, you, you were made not on purpose, but to feel like an idiot all the time. Uh, yeah, I feel like an idiot. And then <laughs> when I try to learn from that, but, but people, then people see me as a serious person. Right. So then when, when I try to tell a joke, they took, they took it seriously. You know, like <laughs> once another person tried to borrow some stuff from me, I said, oh, it's 20 bucks. Yeah. 
And then my landmate got really mad. She was like, Jill, you can't charge money for that. <laughs> I was like, I was trying to get it. Trying to be sarcastic. <laughs> yeah, I know. But then people thought I, I'm always serious. <laughs> well, that's a weird thing in that, you know, because I, I can only speak for myself, but it it is a completely different cultural language. Yeah. You know, even though, you know, we're all people and I understand that, but... We, I wasn't encultured. I, I didn't have an experience with Asian people. Uh-huh. You know, in yeah. in my life growing up, there was no. It always seemed like you know weird. Oh, you know, not bad, but like yeah. I don't know what's happening. And and when I went to China, I was like, not only again, not only do I know it's happening, but clearly whatever's happening here has been happening a lot longer uh, yeah. than anything else that I understand. So who am I to judge? <laughs> but I but I felt you know I felt stupid. You, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then you get to that <clears throat> point where it's sort of like. Well, what 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 do they like? What 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 do they think is funny? How you know? Yeah. And and I must I have to assume that the learning process. When were you able to to? And I use they. I was I was being sarcastic in mm-hmm. a way, but but that's the. It, it's not necessarily racist, but it it is just kind of um, naive. You know, like how mm-hmm. the fuck am I supposed to know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, see, yeah. like because I it, it seems to me that your experience not not only until. You started to relax oh, yeah. culturally yeah. into American ways, where you sort of seen as a whole person. Exactly. Yeah, that that's absolutely true. And uh, the the what bothers me is um, my experience in America. You know, it's only the first three months of experience could yeah. be understood by people in China. And what is it? What that, do you mean? Because after that, you know, when you... Oh, really, you're like an American. Yeah, yeah. You dig into the American culture, they don't understand it anymore, you know? So now you're a stranger in both lands. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, uh, yeah, in a way, I kind of bother. I feel like there, there are probably only five or six people in the, in the world who understand what I'm going through, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> For those three months. Yeah, I know. It's like... Oh, I did comedy here in the United States. Well, so let's well, let's get to that. So yeah. you 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 get the degree, yeah. and you know over time, I imagine what happened. You 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 did have a few American friends, yeah, yeah, and 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 through that, you know, because well, that's I think that is really the the thing is that you know we make an assumption that yeah. that people who come from a, a, a an Asian background who who are not americanized in any way mm-hmm. that that's their personality like oh, that yeah. what we're but it's really we don't have access to it uh, oh yeah do you know what i mean we're I, making assumptions based on the fact that we can't communicate emotionally yeah yeah i i totally get this you know you see an asian person if you oh he's from another country you know that's or just the, that like yeah. how do you, how do you make him laugh how, how do you know if he's sad uh, yeah you, i know yeah you know, <laughs> is he is he is he understanding this properly because yeah, like yeah there's not a lot of uh, facial expressions in chinese culture <laughs> Is that true? Yeah, yeah. So I, a lot of time I have to explain. Look, this is my sad face. <laughs> this is my happy face. But it's, it's the same. <laughs> is that really true, though? Uh, uh, kind of. But in, in China, it's subtler. Well, you know, I think, right, right. Like when we're talking, you have hand gestures, you know, right. you're, you're making faces. But, but in China, it's very rare. Right. So like, it's it's about, um, you know, uh, emotional visibility in a way. Yeah, exactly. That like, you know, Americans, you know, whether they're, um, you know, repressed or 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 cagey or angry. The 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 cultural dialogue is sort of like I need this, I need that, and I'm this guy, and oh, here yeah. I am, and make a know, lot of noises. Yeah, kinda. Yeah, but and, the Chinese culture is opposite. You know, if a Chinese person got into trouble, the first thing they think is, "Oh, 
I'm gonna go to the woods. Well, go go into the woods and see some <laughs> nature, you know, and, and feel good about what everything. kind of trouble would drive someone to the woods? You mean, oh, if somebody got an emotional difficulty? Uh, yeah, yeah. I gotta like, get out and be alone. Exactly. You know, oh, you know, either uh, relationship yeah. troubles yeah. or you know, money troubles yeah. or you know, career-wise, they will go into a place where there's good scenery. You know, they would. That's what, how they. Oh, really? That's how they have their. Um, what that, that's it? how they deal with their problems. Yeah, they, they go right, right, yeah. right. That's how they process. Exactly. They go. It, it, but where does that come from? Do you think it was you know growing up in in communist China? How did they deal with interpersonal problems? Was it just forbidden to uh, have relationship problems? Like I, I imagine there were laws, but was there some uh, you know way to? Uh, did they somehow address sort of like if you're sad? You know, go do this, or was, was uh, it? Not really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you're sad, you know, I had the people very rarely talk about emotion. Right, that's during the that time. It's capitalistic. You know, it's a uh, it's bourgeois. You know, you you oh okay, it's, it's bad. You know, <laughs> right, yeah, right. You, just, you suck it up. Yeah, just suck it up. You right. know, like a lot of marriages were arranged by the government or by the party uh-huh yeah oh you two are single you know you get you're, married right <laughs> no, that, and that's that that's it yeah so when did you start to feel you said three months uh that you 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 became sort of corrupted in a way <laughs> Pro- uh, maybe pleasantly so mm-hmm. so so you spend you know the first trip back to china after going to graduate school I mean, obviously, you speak Chinese, and you know, you. you but, but, yeah. what were what were the noticeable differences? What did your family and friends in China say? Like, you're different. You do this now. What was it? You laugh. Oh what, yeah. <laughs> what was it? Yeah. Well, it's more like it's, it's hard to say. Like, you know, when you go to a restaurant in China, you yeah. know, it's very it's very normal to split the bills in, in America, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. in China, especially the part where I was from. It was really frowned upon, you know. The the proper way of doing it is uh, we have a meal together, and afterwards we fight for the bill. You fight for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And that it's still this way. So how does it, that fight unfold? It doesn't get violent, you do. Oh, sometimes it gets violent. <laughs> <laughs> Two, uh, this is a real true news, true story. Yeah. And last year, two guys fought over a bill, and one guy broke the other guy's arm, and he the, this other guy got arrested. <laughs> the guy who broke the arm? Yeah, yeah. So Just he, because they're fighting for the bill. You know, I, I, I'll i pay for it. No, no, no. I got to pay for this. What is it? A pride thing or not? Oh, yeah, it's a pride. And also just like I feel better if I, I'm paying for the whole thing. Oh, right. Because we're friends. Uh-huh. Yeah. They they're, not, they're, they're, they're probably not friends anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, it was in jail. The other got arms broken, you know. and fed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Free meal and and uh, and a broken arm. <laughs> yeah, but he's not in jail. So when does um, when does comedy in, in the form of stand-up, you know, sort of uh, get on your radar? When how does that happen? Well, this probably after I graduated from college, and then I started working. A friend of mine took me to a comedy club in Houston. I think it's the Laugh Stop. Yeah, I remember that place. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the first guy I saw was Emo Phillips. Oh yeah, yeah, and he didn't even do this weird, ha- weird it's, it was, hair thing. Oh, was in that? It was. He's back to that now. Oh he's, really? Yeah. Oh. No, but there was a period where he was wearing glasses and he had the regular haircut. Yeah, yeah. That period where he basically he, just sat on a stool and told jokes, and it was great, you know. But then, of course, I only could understand half the jokes. Well, he's hard to understand, anyways, in a way. 
but like I would yeah. imagine that as far as tone goes, you know, <clears throat> he's sort of a surrealist. So I, I, I would imagine actually he'd probably be easier to understand uh, than some other comics because yeah, yeah. it's like poetry. It's, uh, it's, it's exactly. very much, there's a logic to it. Uh, yeah, there's logic and, you know, every word means something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just grab onto it, but still. I and you were laughing? Yeah, yeah, I understood probably half the jokes. Yeah. But then I still was really impressed, you know. I was like, yeah. wow, you know, I, I should you know, watch this more. So I started to watch more stand-up comedy. Who else connected with you? Oh, then later on, it's just more TV stuff, yeah. you know, and then... So when you came here and you were watching American television for the first time, it must have been sort of like, oh my God. Like, did you always, like when you first came to graduate school, did you spend a weekend just watching TV? Oh, yeah, we watched a lot of TV from, <laughs> from in the beginning from PBS. Because mm-hmm. PBS, you know, they, they speak relatively slower and then they, they <laughs> I don't know, they, they pronounce every word, you know, they use really formal English language. Uh-huh. So that's something I can understand. Right. Now, then I watched Leno or Letterman. I just... Too fast? Yeah, this is too fast. I don't know what those celebrities are. You know, I don't get the references. Why are they laughing? Yeah, why are they laughing, you know? <laughs> so, but did you find... Was there a sense, like, could you... Because, like, the, in, in the conversation culturally about China and about the United States, there's this idea that... Of you know freedom versus non freedom. Yeah. Did mm. did you have a sense of that when you got here? Did you did, did were you kind of like you know is this you know does this is this what freedom feels like? Yeah, you do feel that. You know, yeah. I just when I first got here, I feel that oh, there's nobody watching over me. You know, like uh, no pictures of Mao, <laughs> no pictures of Mao. That's that's for sure. Yeah, a <laughs> yeah. lot of pictures of Washington. Sure, <laughs> on the money. Yeah, on the money. Yeah, yes, exactly. Seems like the only pictures their leaders are on is the money. Yeah, the money, exactly. <laughs> this makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. what were some of the things that you did? Sort of like I can do this now, uh, that I and I couldn't do this. Was it just a matter of? of people not you know watching you in the same way or oh. were there things you wanted to eat or yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it is watching is one thing and uh, i don't have to worry too much about you know what i say in public right that's another thing and uh, also you know there's like strip clubs <laughs> you know, like i'm not even kidding so i came to this country and, and i was already married to my wife yeah but then still we have friends who got married yeah. and I kind of, you know, I'm a married guy. Maybe yeah. I shouldn't go to a strip club. Right. My wife's like, oh, that's okay, you know. Yeah. I'm going with the girls anyway. Oh, really? <laughs> She's going to, a She's gonna male go to the male strip club? club? Yeah, exactly. And you, you know, so you were married when you got here. Yeah, yeah. And did you talk about the experience when you got home, the two of you? Oh, yeah, yeah. We, we, we checked each other. We checked some notes. I think, I, I guess that's okay. It just depends on how often you went. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and some guys married. It's probably okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So that was a, a, a pretty. Uh, I guess that's an amazing experience. Do they have strip clubs in China now? No, they, they don't. No. Well, there's underground stuff. Oh yeah, there, there's some things that are crazy. You know, they they even have strippers in, in funerals now. In, in in China? Yeah, just really a remote part of China. Nobody quite knows where it is. You know, it happens. I guess, and then somebody make made a video of it and then put it on social network. That's yeah. pe- how, how people knew. Wow, then they do this you know, at a funeral. Yeah, I know. An interesting approach. I, I guess uh, that's one way to handle the grieving process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So you see Emo Phillips. You're watching stuff on on TV. What other comics did you like at that time? Oh, I loved Woody Allen. Yeah, uh, yeah, because. Um, 
I I always wanted to learn English. Yeah. And I, I joined a、uh, English class, and the teacher just said to me, "Hey, you seem to like you know writing humor, humor、yeah. stuff." So she gave me a book of、uh, short novels and essays. Without feathers, or which one? No, it's a it's a kind of a com- compilation of a lot of different authors. Oh, oh okay, what, okay. Yeah, Woody Allen was one of.、Them. Oh, I see. Not a Woody Allen book. No.、Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then later on, I bought you know, Without Feathers.、And、side or, effects. Yeah, side effects.、Mm-hmm. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. And then. And、uh, so that taught you sort of the,、uh, the the sensibility of writing comedy. Yeah, yeah. And then I I watched uh, uh, George Carlin. Yeah, later stuff. Yeah, when I when I watch him, I was like, "Why should I do comedy? This guy did everything." (laughs) 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 It's kind of discouraging in a way, Uh but but I figure, you know, well, you know, I have to do this. (laughs) Really, you were possessed by it. You were you were like, "I have to do this." Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting to me that you know to come from a culture where you know speaking publicly was you know possibly punishable. Mm -hmm, That you were like, "I'm going to." Not only speak publicly, but、yeah. I'm, I'm going to do it in front of a lot of people. And yeah, because one motivation is、uh, I have. Of course, everybody has different motivations. Yeah. One thing is、uh, sometimes I would think of think of something funny. Yeah. And say it among my friends. I got no laughs. I was like, but I always have a feeling that if I say this on stage, it could be funny. Well, that's that's the big leap from. You know that that's the confidence that you can't really explain that it takes to to be a comic. Yeah, I, I don't know why I got that feeling, but I just feel that I need to say something in public, even if it's a, a, at a street corner. I want、right. to do it, you know. But the, the idea that's an interesting thing because, like, I knew guys like like a lot of people assume that comedians are just naturally funny people in life.、Mm-hmm. But I've known a lot of people that were you know socially awkward. Oh, me, oh, I have anxiety. Right. Yeah. In, in real life, but they、mm-hmm. get on stage and they have this confidence of like, you know, I know this is funny. Yeah. And and sometimes it takes a while for them to figure it out up there.、Yeah. But I've known a lot of people that were sort of categorically, in some ways, you wouldn't think were funny,、mm-hmm. but they they figured out how to to be funny on stage. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I'm not saying you weren't funny, but yeah, but the confidence required to to say like, well, I know this is funny. You know, fuck you guys.、Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. You know. You know what do you You know, and do it. So, how where did you first go on?、Uh, that was back in two thousand two in Boston, Somerville. It, oh, I, I used to live in Somerville. Yeah, it's、uh, Hannah's. But、uh, what? How did you get to Boston? Oh, from from graduate、Texas. school. Yeah, I, after I graduated from school, I got a job in Texas, and then that company went under. Uh huh. So it's a small startup company, and.、Uh, So this is something I didn't notice myself until then.、Uh, I have this attachment to people. I I don't even realize this, and then even people I don't like. What, don't, like what do you mean? What kind of attachment? I don't know. I just you know、oh, you like、uh, like you, we're we work together. So we're we're friends. Yeah, we're, we're, I don't even probably I don't even like you. You don't like me. But if, when you're leaving, I feel really bad. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> and when the company is going under, every week I'm seeing somebody off. I just. Oh,、Goes、getting fired! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. sad. Then, yeah, so I decided to、uh, work for a bigger company that's more stable. So you wouldn't have to deal with the emotional pain I, I, of people I, leaving. Yeah, and I try not to make friends at work. <laughs> and I, I, this is this is true. You're you know? a sensitive guy. Yeah, I just try not to make friends at work and just do my job and go home.、Mm-hmm. That's that's my plan. So you know, I moved to Boston 
And then I figured for, the, for the, to work for bigger company. Yeah, to, to work for a bigger company. What were you in? Like research? A research. Uh -huh. Yeah, I worked for Sanofi Aventis, which uh -huh. is the second largest company, pharmaceutical company in the world. Uh -huh. And then I went to a, a comedy writing class in Brooklyn, uh, Brookline. Brookline, yeah, sure. Yeah, and Who taught that? Uh, it's uh, Tim McIntyre. Mm. Yeah, he's and, a comedian. Yeah, he's a comedian. Yeah. Yes. So you take a, a class in stand-up writing, or, yes, or just 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 stand-up? You know, uh -huh. where I learned you need to have a setup and a punchline. Oh, I right. didn't even know that before. <laughs> right, even Part after watching, yeah. you never really sort of deconstructed the joke. Oh no, no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then and then how to hold a mic, where to find comedy clubs, you know? Oh, practical then, stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. really practical and. We made, I made some friends, com com comedian friends, uh -huh. and then we go out to that. And you started doing mics. Yeah, open mics, and also we went to uh, Greg Howell's uh, barber shop in Malden to yeah. practice on Sundays. What is that? They had a show there? Uh, no, th there's not a show. It's just he he runs this barber shop, and when when once a all comedian, the yeah, customers leave. We just go in. He sweeps the the hair off the floor. Yeah. We set up a mic, which is quiet. <laughs> and you just practice oh, yeah, for each other. Yeah, for each other, and then we critique each other. But sometimes, you know, we, we're all new. It's really hard for us to critique each other. So there's just three of you. Well, there are probably five or six, but the three of us are are the hardcore guys. And you do this like weekly. Yeah, every week, every Sunday. So, like, it was it, it wasn't a show. It, it was wasn't just, a show. Yeah, <laughs> but we just just you know. Was that helpful? Uh, helpful for a while, but we did did this for about three or four months. And, and then, you discuss jokes. And, yeah, discuss and say jokes. like yeah, that would work better if you did this. And yeah, exactly. So that sort of engaged you in a collaborative process and in. Sort of understanding other people's point of view in comedy. Exactly. Well, that's something. I yeah. never heard that before. And I've uh, talked to a lot of people. Oh, really? <laughs> never heard that. Yeah. Where, where a, a group of comics got together and, you know, regularly, yeah. you know, just did their acts for each other. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we did that for a while. And every week we had, oh, these are new jokes that mm -hmm. were the old jokes that, that didn't work. Why? You know, it's just so you would go on stage at open mics and yeah. you'd have jokes who were sort of like, I, I, I like this joke, but I can't get it to work. Yeah. yeah. Huh. <laughs> so <laughs> so a lot like of a little writer's room. Yeah. Yeah. But then we c that kind of tapered off and then we just kind of go out and do our own thing. So you were just um, doing open mics mostly. Yeah. Yeah. And when did you, um, did you do the comedy union? Or the comedy studio, comedy studio, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you know, Jenkins, yeah. <laughs> sure. And was and was most of your comedy at the beginning making light of the fact that you were Chinese? Uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, then I try to stay away from purely ethnic jokes. Yeah, I just, I just feel that it's a little bit too easy for me to do that kind of jokes. Uh -huh. and kind of a lot of the ethnic jokes are kind of hacky to me. So right, yeah. So I try to you know add more. Yeah, you got to start with it. that. Yeah, to get yeah. comfortable. Yeah, exactly. And then kind of build it out. Yeah, but then I have to do it in the beginning because sure. there are so few Asian comics in Boston that I have to say something about the fact that I'm Asian and being on stage. Mm -hmm. So I later on figured out a great way of uh, doing this. Yeah, because there are a lot of Irish guys in, in Boston. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Everybody before me was, goes on stage. Hey, I'm Irish. Yeah. You know, the audience cheers. You know. Right. Then then I went on stage. I was like, fuck it. <laughs> I was yeah. just say, hey, I'm Irish. <laughs> <laughs> they got a big laugh. <laughs> 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 That's funny. And a lot of the com uh, comedy clubs in Boston are in a Chinese restaurant. 
Uh-huh. Not just the Kowloon. Whole, you know, Kowloon you That's know? a big place at Kowloon. I remember when that opened, buddy. Yeah. That's like 400 people, man. Yeah, yeah. And and before I go on stage, the, the host always introduced me like, oh, I met this next guy from the kitchen. Yeah, right. Of and course. Then, yeah. And then the second, a couple of comedians who did this, and then one comedian finally just said to me, oh, Joe, I feel so bad. I said, why? He said, I saw other comedians introduce you that way. Yeah. I just remember I used to introduce you that way too. <laughs> oh, so they knew it was being, yeah. Yeah, but, but I didn't mind. You know, it's, it's sure. all for laughs, but, you know, they kind but of. But there must be, it must have been a moment where the audience was like, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, once I was on my way to the stage, one audience even raised his, uh, you know, glass. It was like, some iced tea, please. Oh, right. They really thought I, I work in the restaurant. You know? <laughs> and yeah. was it, that must have been sort of. Um, a fairly gratifying feeling to because even as a, a guy who who has my sensibility you know working for those crowds for you know boston sort of towny crowds primarily yeah. white primarily a lot of irish but there's definitely a a cultural thing there mm-hmm. there there yeah. it, it's unique to new england and boston oh you know? yeah and and they're not easy oh yeah not easy and uh very in your face yeah uh, yeah so it must have been pretty uh, pretty gratifying to figure out how to perform for those people yeah yeah and actually i didn't appreciate that until i started to do road gigs uh-huh. you know, when i went to like san francisco right. or denver where you're like, I can, this is easy. Yeah, I, and I I, got, but sometimes it turns people off. I was like, oh, that's a little bit too mean. I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> people are actually nice here. <laughs> I don't have to defend myself uh, here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So you start working the road. You, how, what was your break to uh, to sort of like uh, you know start? What did you start as a middle or or a feature or did you headline yeah. right away? What? No, no, I started from you know opener, yeah. host, 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 and um, I still remember one once I was the opener, mm-hmm. and then the middler was late. Oh, that's and it. That's the, where you learn how to do time. I know. The, the, the guy was like, okay, you do half an hour. I'm like, I, I'm used to like 10 minutes. <laughs> and I still remember I was on stage. I have, I'm watching, looking at my watch. It's like, okay, 27 minutes. Uh, my last joke. Where was that? <laughs> this was uh, another another Chinese restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> in need them or somewhere oh really yeah, yeah yeah you know why they do the chinese restaurants there's a lot of those bigger chinese restaurants have those huge rooms oh yeah exactly it's like you know they build these like almost function halls it's crazy uh, yeah that restaurant has two floors right you know they yeah. can all watch comedy you know and do you like like maybe this is insensitive but i mean when you do a chinese restaurant do you get feedback from the chinese people there usually i oh, mean yeah yeah. yeah. Sometimes they will, they will ask me, hey, did you go to a comedy school here? Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> they really think there is a comedy school. I'm a student from uh-huh. a comedy school. <laughs> it, it, what is it like to sort of engage with, you know, American Chinese who have been here for generations that probably don't even speak Chinese like you, I would imagine? Oh, yeah. Well, I had an experience once. Yeah. Uh, the town of Quincy has a huge Chinese population. Oh, it does. Yeah. yeah. And then the mayoral candidate that year wanted to have a fundraiser. So he invited me to this dim sum place. Yeah. And the 300 people packed with, uh, with you know, basic Chinese people. Yeah. yeah. And he, he wanted me to do a, do a set there. Uh-huh. So I went up on stage, did about 45 minutes, got no laughs, except from this white mayoral candidate's family. Right. right. And after my show, the one guy came up to me and said, can you speak Cantonese? I was like, nobody told me they were Cantonese at all. You know, I did whole set in English. And just like, oh my God. But could you? 
No, I don't speak Cantonese what either. Di- what dialect do you speak? I speak Mandarin. Okay. So, you know, even if I know that they're Cantonese, right. I still couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't speak English at all? Yeah. This guy, <laughs> was, he had a big idea, right? Yeah, I know. <laughs> what, what a great idea. Yeah, get the Chinese guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the different dialects. So uh, to this day, I'm still really jealous of you know, Russell Peters. Oh, yeah? <laughs> you know, he does stand-up comedy in English here, and then he goes to India, and people speak English there, too. Right, oh, right. so he doesn't have to cross He doesn't it. have to sw- switch languages. Well, it's interesting know? you bring him up. You know, he's able to cross over. Mm-hmm. You know, not so much in the States, but I mean, like globally. Oh, yeah. With, uh, with, a, with an audience of, of anybody of any ethnicity because he, you know, he speaks to the ethnic experience, to, yeah. you know, to the experience of not being American. Yeah, and and, and, and I mean, he's Canadian, but you know, he, culturally, it's just sort of a fascinating thing that because mm-hmm. I know a lot of Chinese people like him, Indian yeah. people like him, yeah. just you know, people of of other ethnicity than just this American experience. And yeah. He does; he's a huge star yeah, everywhere exactly. but here. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, no, but you know, jokes are jokes, especially sure. in the United States. It's yeah. the same. But, yeah. uh, you know, like when I perform in San Francisco, 80% yeah. of the audience are, are Chinese uh-huh. Americans or Asian Americans. Uh-huh. But when I'm performing in Denver, 100% are white. Right. <laughs> like, sure. Yeah. So. But I imagine there's some sort of, of uh, a sense of, of, of pride and connection. Oh, yeah. yeah and comfort that you you would feel with a 80% Chinese audience. Well, well to be honest, in the first time I saw that many Asian faces in the crowd, I was nervous. Yeah. Because all the jokes were tested only in front of white and black right. Americans. Right. And then I just had no idea how the Asian and Americans would take it. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> and how they take it? Oh, they're, they're really great. You oh, know, yeah. They're really supportive. You know, they were like, oh, hey, we, we, we have a, you know, somebody of yeah. our own. One of our own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I didn't have that feeling for the first, you know, seven or eight years doing comedy. Uh huh. Yeah. And now, now you headline, obviously. You've done, uh, have you done specials? Oh, no, I didn't do any specials Not in yet. this country. Yeah, I hope, I hope to do one. Yeah. And, but how did the, um, the you know like you done a few Letterman's and Ellen was a supporter and and mm-hmm. you know you built up a a, a a bit of a following which is great. Now you know you've made a decision to to go back to China and work. How did that kind of happen? Oh, it's interesting. I was trying to get a, a sitcom in America for like three or four years. I worked with uh, Letterman's com- production company, uh, Worldwide Pants. Worldwide Pants, and we we worked a bunch of different writers. Things just didn't didn't work out. Uh-huh. And uh, in the meantime, I just noticed that uh, a lot of American writers don't quite know the Asian experience. Uh-huh. So I wrote up my experience, and uh, as soon as I finished writing, some Chinese publishers contacted me mm-hmm. they were like hey we want to publish a biography oh yeah in uh, china in china uh-huh. i was like, fine i just translated whatever i wrote in english to chinese and got published there and uh it was on on a bestseller list for in china in really china, yeah now yeah. did you have a good publishing deal did you make money uh, yeah i made some money oh good yeah uh-huh. and, and then i went there and, and made some uh, tv appearances for the book yeah, for the book uh-huh. it was really nerve-wracking you know I was on national TV. The host was like, "Hey, you're you're a comedian, right? Tell us some jokes in Chinese, though. In Chinese, uh-huh. but I have never performed in Chinese before. Uh-huh. So I just stood there and translated my English jokes into Chinese. And hopefully, uh, ahead on the spot. On the spot, it was <laughs> it was the most. <laughs> the Did it work? Mix. 
some of them worked some of some of them didn't so just because I, they they didn't understand them. well yeah it's because the, the culture is so different you know they don't get a reference at all right sometimes but right. other jokes are fine yeah interesting yeah for example i had a joke about you know just uh you know car accidents if i were to die in a car accident i wanted to be with a collision truck no a cement truck yeah that way immediately after the die there's a statue of me you know it's a, <laughs> right. it's a silly silly yeah. joke but then that works in china too sure. some people there understand oh the cement truck you know the statue right. you know yeah, but yeah. if you talk about other things it's hard you know uh-huh. so so that was the first experience. so on the spot you're translating your jokes was the chinese TV industry excited about you? They're like, I think we, you know. Yeah, they were excited for a while uh, to the extent that uh, they offered me a, a show there. Yeah. So th- that's what I'm doing right now. I'm hosting a weekly show. It's kind of a comedy slash investigative, re- investigative reporting. Uh-huh. So I do some, uh, you know, monologue in the beginning. And then I will lead into a topic. There's some undercover investigation, uh-huh. and then I will come on stage again. Do some but not jokes. with criminal things, just with with uh, what? Yeah, it's just like food safety. Or, oh, really? Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's a different China than you grew up in. Oh, huh? uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and for a while, they were like, "Oh, your 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 sub your topics are are a little bit too conservative. You you need to be more brave. <laughs> you need to open up." I was yeah, like, "Oh, yeah, this yeah. is great. You're the guy. <laughs> You're the guy. Don't blame us if it doesn't go well. <laughs> yeah, but we'll bail you out of jail maybe if we can." Yeah. <laughs> 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 is the show popular? Oh yeah, yeah. It was the it was the number one show on the network. It's not a big network. It was not the biggest network, but still, it's pretty. pretty How many decent. networks? Oh, there were. I don't know. 20, 30 oh, really? networks, yeah. So it's really wide open yes. now. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Yeah, the, the the Chinese work really hard. You know, it's like yeah, 24-7 holidays, yeah. especially the people working in the media. They're always trying to get some shows going. Now, so. what do you feel uh, is the, the... How does the government stay in control now? I mean, what what is left of... Uh, you know what you grew up in in terms of of rules and restrictions and and the fear that it put in people. Yeah, it's, as long as you don't talk about politics, the party, yeah, the leaders, uh-huh. you're probably okay. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So it's opened up by a lot. You know, I mean, uh-huh. I think every country goes through this stuff. Like even in America, it's a democracy, it's freedom. But I, uh, they say that back in the fifties in the sitcoms. The husband and wife can't walk into the same room after a, a scene. Sure, just just in case right. people will imagine something. You know? Right? Just, yeah. No. Every every country, even the ones that are supposedly free, certainly here, and you know, there's definitely a lot of things we don't know. And mm-hmm. there, but but in terms of social rules, you, mm-hmm. you know, those are, are are kind of wide open. But there still is a a mystery to uh, how power is maintained and and what's really happening yeah yeah you you know what i mean and that's still a a dangerous place for some people to go but Mm -hmm. you know it does seem the weird thing about the internet though is in terms of transparency or what we assume is true or isn't true or investigative is like you you know it's hard with the amount of information that's available to to ever know what's true oh oh yeah exactly (laughs) that's a very interesting point you think everything's out there the truth should should come out but it doesn't and even if it's out there people are like nah Nah, somebody made it up yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's a it's a weird uh time yeah so and and the another interesting aspect is uh like china blocked google youtube right i remember that yeah right so for these two and half years the only 
thing that reminds me of America is spam emails. <laughs> Every once in a while, I got, I got an email. Hey, do you want to enlarge your penis in two weeks? I was, oh, God, yeah, I need to do something. <laughs> <laughs> so nice to be in touch with America. <laughs> yeah, no. So now, what brings you to L.A. now? Oh, um, vacation. Oh, and okay. also, I'm, I'm meeting some friends here, you know, some writers and producers, and hopefully... I'm still hoping to get a show here going. You know? yeah, yeah, right. Is there a stand-up scene in China? Yeah, um, I can take some credit for the stand-up scene in Amer in China. Yeah. When I got there back in 2013, yeah. there was one comedy club in Beijing, and uh, they have a show about a week or every month. And so now, Once a month? Yeah. Uh -huh. Now there's about four or five different comedy clubs. And oh, can, really? Yeah, there's a comedy show almost every every day of the week. Oh, really? Yeah, so and, it's uh, actually uh, building it up. And, and is it all Chinese? <clears throat> yeah, mostly Chinese. There's there's English open mic, too. Uh-huh. Yeah. And the Chinese, like, do you, do you find, you know, out, outside of references yeah. that structurally um, the um, American-style jokes work? Yes, especially with a young crowd. You know? oh, right, who yeah. watches TV now. Yeah, who watches TV, who watches, you know, American sitcoms and talk shows uh -huh. on, on the internet. Uh -huh. You know, those are the people who actually like stand-up comedy. Okay, yeah, okay, but, so they know the style, but it's still in their language. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And it works. Yeah, it works. It works great. You know, I, I did uh, about 30, 40 shows in, in like, 1,000 people theaters. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, Oh it's yeah! It's amazing the feeling. <laughs> so you're a big star there. Yeah, I, I'm okay. Not not huge, but yeah, I did okay. But there's yeah. no bigger Chinese stand-up comic than you. Oh, there in there, China. In China, is there? Uh, there there are a, a few guys. One guy was huge for a couple of years, and then yeah, I'm 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 on top. But yeah, <laughs> yeah I would but say I'm I, the I, biggest. I, yeah. are, are, is is there still anything left of like the the crosstalk audience? Oh, the, yeah, the crosstalk is still big. Yeah, yeah. So they they coexist right now. That's interesting. Yeah, it's like coexisting with vaudeville. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so the tea house circuit is still there. Oh, yeah, tea house circuit is, is still there, but then the coffee circuit is still there too. Because the Chinese stand up comedy is mostly done in coffee houses. Uh huh. But these coffee houses in China sell liquor as well. Uh huh. So it's it's pretty interesting. It's fascinating. Oh, yeah, the, I would say like Americans, if you go to China, you gotta check out these bars. And there's no age limit. You know, uh -huh. my I took my six year old son to a bar. You know, yeah. we play darts. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I need if I need lemon, you know, he would crawl under the little the little door and uh -huh. get lemon for me behind the bar. Uh -huh. Now child labor oh, is right. his family business, I guess. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's fascinating, man. So, do you yeah. use your Chinese name or do you use the American name in China? Uh, the, the Chinese name, which is uh, Xi, uh, it's uh, spelled as X I. Yeah. And last name is Huang, H U A N G. Okay. And then, Xi Huang. Yeah. Yeah. And then the woman just couldn't pronounce it. She was like Z, <laughs> Zai, Eleven. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> and you went Joe. Uh, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got my uh, got the name Joe from an English class actually when I was in college in China. Yeah, the, the American teacher came and he just doesn't want to remember the Chinese names. Oh, really? So he handed us a list of uh, American names for us to pick. Really? Yeah, I was like, oh, hey, Joe, this is you know simple enough. <laughs> I just picked Joe. Is that true? Is <laughs> yeah, that like, yeah. So what was that class? 
Uh, that's an English class in in oh in English is second language. It, no, just just English, an English period. It yeah, was period. an American guy teaching it. Yeah, yeah. And that was his first lesson. Change your name. Yeah, change your name. Yeah. I don't have the patience. <laughs> exactly. So everybody in the class got an American American name. Oh, that's a that's a very good introduction into the American way of doing things. It's a little <laughs> yeah. Ellis Island that's brought right to you. Exactly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> First thing we got to do if you're going to learn American yeah, is give you an American name. name. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the, now the Americans are doing the same thing when they're in China. They they always pick a Chinese name. They do? Yeah, they do. Yes, they somehow sounded like their American name, but but means something different. In so they Chinese. can do business. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Well, it's a great talking to you, buddy. Yeah, same here. Thanks so much for having me. Here. I'm glad it's a great we did pleasure. it. Yeah, well, I've been a huge fan. You know, like. Oh, Love your, you know, podcast, TV uh. show. Well, I know we've been trying to do this for a couple of years. I'm glad we did it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Same. Well, thanks so much. Yeah, yeah. It's, thanks, it's uh, Hui. Is that right? Uh, uh, she, she, yeah, yeah. Shi Huang. Yeah, Shi Huang. Yeah. Shi Huang. Huang Xi. Yeah. Joe. Joe. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> Take care. Yeah. You too. Thanks. That was me and Joe Wang. That was interesting. I'm glad he came over. Also, go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF pod needs. And maybe I'll play some guitar if it's not too loud.